week after a boom in NFTs, we may be getting some insight into what's behind these gigantic moves. Influencers and the NBA are making millions with non-fungible tokens. Hi, I'm Ramnik Johal. And I'm Carol Eugene Park. This is Decomplicated. So all over my social media timelines, I've been seeing NFT this, NFT that. And as much as I would like to pretend I know what those are, I will be entirely honest in admitting that although I've seen that term everywhere, I still have no idea what it means. I've been reading a lot about NFTs recently, too, like how NFTs are an opportunity for creatives to share their work with the world and still get the credit for it. Of course, there's more to the story, but we'll get to that later. Lucky for you, Ramnik, I reached out to three experts to explain what an NFT is, why they're so popular, and why people should pay attention to them. So let's dive in. I connected with Alan Cross, a radio broadcaster and musician, to understand why NFTs are so hyped up and why some people are willing to pay a lot of money for these unique digital objects like art and music. Here he is. You're stupid. That's, that's the only reason I can think of. I've been talking about NFTs with some people. And they refer to them as NFBs, non-fungible beanie babies. You may not remember, but there was a mania for beanie babies way back when, where people would spend exorbitant amounts collecting these things and spend stupid amounts of money for the rare ones, thinking that this was going to be their retirement fund. Well, then after a while, people realized how stupid it was to collect beanie babies and spend all this money on them. The bottom fell out of this market and people were stuck with these stuff things and basically lost all their money. So this, this seems to be some sort of weird mania. I heard somewhere that one NFT sold for over $69 million. And I seriously cannot understand who, why, or how. But first, can you explain to me what an NFT even is? Well, I asked Alan what this acronym stands for, and this is how he defined it. An NFT is a non-fungible token. That means it is an original thing that exists only in the digital realm. It's only at its very core a bunch of zeros and ones. The original NFT, whatever it is, is connected to the blockchain which means it is registered as that one-of-a-kind original. Now, you can make copies of it, but there's only one original, 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 original. It's kind of like uh, the Mona Lisa. There are billions of copies of the Mona Lisa out there, but there's only one, and it's hanging on the wall in the Louvre. That's the one that's worth all the money. All the copies, not so much. But the original is the one that contains all the value, features all the value. Okay. I understand that the original is what has the value, but how can someone tell what the original even is? And why does this matter? 
So there is a way to verify the authenticity of a work using the blockchain. I also talked to William Johnson, editor of the Vancouver Tech Journal, about how the mechanics of this would work in theory. Here he is. Whenever you're trading like an NFT, an non-fungible token over top of a blockchain, because it's all, at the end of the day, cryptography and software, uh, you can encode like rules and smart contracts into things. So someone sells a piece of art, you can encode in that piece of art, this NFT, non-fungible token, which I'm sure you guys learned about, right? You can say every time that this piece of art is sold, 10% of the value needs to get sent back to the original artist. So like, that's really unique and cool for like digital artists. You know what I mean? An artist of the future, right? Wait, what are blockchains? Great catch. William also had a really good explanation. So a blockchain is just a list of records, right? Like it literally, it's like a list of records and then there's like one layer of a blockchain and then there's another layer of a blockchain and then another layer of a blockchain. And each level of the blockchain just has like a timestamp and it has a record of every single blockchain that preceded it. So why that's really unique is that you can't change a blockchain because if you change one blockchain, you have to change every single one, which is impossible to do. And that's why it's so secure. It's because you can't change one piece of a blockchain without changing the billions. Okay, that explanation actually makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And Alan mentioned something interesting in our conversation, which is that NFTs can be anything within the digital world. Here's Alan. Now, an NFT in today's world can be anything from uh, a piece of art, uh, some animation, a short film, a piece of music. Uh, it could be an experience that is a one-of-a-kind thing that is uh, non-duplicatable in terms of what the original can offer. Uh, its value is linked to cryptocurrency. Uh, most NFTs are related to a cryptocurrency called Ethereum right now, but other cryptocurrencies also have their version of NFTs. And the value of, of one of these things will go up and down based on the market. It's no different than buying a rare painting and then seeing if it goes up in value or down in value, or like a Beanie Baby, going up in value or down in value. So these people who are spending all this money on these things are hoping that they retain their value uh, because they're either something that they hope to flip for a profit somewhere down the road, or it's something that they believe is a genuine artistic or experiential asset that they can enjoy for the rest of their lives. So for some people, NFTs are like an investment that they hope will bring in good returns in the future. Yes, exactly. Instead of stocks or housing, these people are opting for NFTs. I've also heard that NFTs create a lot of big opportunities for people, specifically in the music industry, since at present, in-person gatherings and large-scale concerts aren't allowed. Yeah, and artists have a lot more control and insight of how their work is distributed, and they can get creative with how they connect with their fan base. Here's Alan on that. Well, first of all, this is a new revenue stream for, for artists. It's a direct-to-fan revenue stream. It's uh, never been seen before. It is kind of like, you know, being able to sell merchandise, the old-school physical merchandise, except that once you sell a piece of merchandise and it goes up in value uh, and somebody sells it, you don't get anything more from it. You also don't know, you lose track of your merchandise. You don't know where it goes. 
But with an NFT, you have an idea of who owns it at any given time and you can track it down through the blockchain and make sure that it's not being misused. Uh, because again, your rights are in, enshrined in the creation of that, that thing. Um, it offers an opportunity for artists to connect with fans for new and interesting things. Oh, that's pretty cool. When I talked to Moon Jaren, she echoed Alan's sentiment too. Moon is the founder and CEO of Doctrina, which is a blockchain advisory company. She's also an industry associate at the University College London and their Center for Blockchain Technology. Here's what she had to say. For the first time ever in the time of Pinterest and I would say in Instagram, you know, where it's really difficult to find the authenticity of an image or a song. Now, NFT is giving that opportunity to, you know, removing that barrier that you're able to say, no, I bought a picture that was taken by Carol or, you know, if she actually painted this beautiful image. And even if somebody takes a picture and sells it to somebody, because of NFT, we're actually able to backtrack the information and say that, no, this is not the original. Okay, so is this what happened with Kings of Leon? Yes, exactly. And here's Alan's take on what happened. For example, uh, Kings of Leon released an album last week, and they had six golden ticket NFTs as part of it. They had a whole bunch of different offerings that started at five, uh, 50 bucks and went up from there. But these six golden ticket NFTs allowed for special super duper VIP access to uh, a Kings of Leon show when they go back out on tour. And they auctioned those off with a reserved bid. And one of those golden tickets sold for $150,000. Another sold for $90,000. And they extended the auction and they, sold, they eventually sold the other, uh, the other four. Add everything up all these NFTs that they offered with the sale of this album, the band brought in two million US dollars. That's fresh US dollars that would have otherwise never been mined from their fan base. So that's pretty cool, considering that nobody's buying albums these days. So the original old school way of making records by selling pieces of plastic is gone. Uh, they don't make a lot of money streaming. Uh, they haven't been making money touring because nobody's been touring. So. They brought in $2 million by offering nothing, at least nothing tangible, nothing physical. It's quite brilliant when you think about it. Uh, and now a lot of other acts are getting on the bandwagon. Dead Mouse, for example, Arlene Peace has got something coming out uh, later this year. Okay, but how did someone come to the price of $150,000 to hang out with Kings of Leon? when usually backstage passes are like 500 bucks. Yeah, I asked Alan how this happened, and this is what he told me. I, I don't know. It was an auction. And something is worth whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. Somebody was willing to pay 150000 US dollars to hang out with Kings of Leon uh, at a show someday. Would I be willing to pay that kind of money for a backstage pass? Probably not. But I'm glad some people are that dedicated to supporting their favorite artists. And like Moon reiterated in our conversation, NFTs give creatives more control over their work. Here she is. And I think that gives tremendous democracy and tremendous power and empowerment to individuals who are creating this art. Hopefully this will give them the opportunity to put their arts out there in the world. 
The only issue here is that I, for one, simply do not have those kinds of funds. So can regular people who don't have a couple extra thousand dollars laying around also get involved with NFTs? Mm. I asked Alan what his thoughts were on this, and he told me that right now it can be really risky and a really pricey thing to get involved in. Uh, again, it's, it's extraordinarily risky right now. And uh, the people who are spending this money can afford to do it. Let's put it that way. They can afford to be on the, on the ground floor of, of this new thing. And basically what you're buying in many of these cases are bragging rights. You get to say, I have the, the one true original of this piece of art or thing, this asset. Yeah, that's interesting, but I'm having trouble seeing the value in this. Like, why should I care? Well, I asked William to explain why NFTs are worth paying attention to. Here he is. But people want to own stuff. And like my friend Aaron kept pushing back on this, being like, what's the value of this? There's no value in this. But like, there's no value in like playing cards. Like they're, you know what I mean? Like humans assign all this value. Like think of just regular money. If you gave a a dollar to a, a monkey, it wouldn't want it because it can't do anything with that dollar. Right. The only reason a dollar bill or a five dollar bill makes sense for us humans is because we've all decided like this thing has value, even though we just printed it from a machine. Right. So for all of these things, the value is, is not inherent. It's, it's humans like assigning value. Right. And like you'll see on NBA um, top shot, like there's videos of LeBron James going for 200K. Right. Like you need to get that video anywhere else. It's on YouTube. Right. But someone has the, the, the as, as an NFT which says that this is the original certified version of this video. So there's a range of experiences, content, or artwork that can be purchased as an NFT if you can afford it. And back to your point, Ramnik, technically speaking, there aren't any regulations yet about what can or cannot be turned into an NFT. Here's what William had to say about this. As soon as you get humans involved, like... Yeah, there's going to be some scammy shit going on. Uh, at the same time, there's 7 billion people in the world and a very small percentage of those 7 billion people are criminals trying to do nefarious things. And it's the same in the crypto and NFT world, right? Like there's, there's going to be a small percentage of people trying to take advantage of other people. Like, and that is very, very much a thing. So yeah, like theoretically, I could go take one of these photos and then turn it into an NFT and then be like, oh, I have this NFT of someone else's artwork. Um, so I could theoretically do that, but like I would be very quickly found out, right? Because um, this artist would be like, well, no, like I had nothing to do with this. And based on the conversations with Alan, William, and Moon, it's clear that the lack of regulation is allowing some people to take advantage of this new avenue to make profit. I read somewhere that even tweets can potentially be turned into NFTs as well. Which is news to me. Yeah, a few weeks ago, actually, Twitter's CEO, Jack Dorsey, turned one of his tweets into an NFT and put it up for auction. Why? Well, because he can. Here's Alan's take on this. Jack Dorsey, the founder and CEO of Twitter, uh, just turned his very first tweet into an NFT, which he then sold for, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars. So you own, see, that this is where it gets a little bit more conceptual. So a tweet is not a physical thing. It is 
something that lives online in the virtual world that's nothing but digital, to be able to say that you own, like literally own the first tweet ever since, is if you're a tech person or big into, into culture and the way the human race is evolving when it comes to communications, that's pretty cool. Okay, so basically, I should start turning my tweets into NFTs because, well, I'm hilarious. No. Turn something more valuable into an NFT. That was uncalled for. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how all of this unfolds in the future. Thanks for sharing all that you learned, Carol. I feel a bit more knowledgeable about NFTs now that I finally know what they are. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Decomplicated. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to leave us a review, follow us on socials, and share this pod with a friend. And feel free to let us know what you want to see Decomplicated next. This episode was produced by Ramnik Johal and Carol Eugene Park, mixed by our audio producer, McKenna Hadley-Burke, and music composition by Sean Cameron. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Decomplicated.